This is from Ruth 3, 1 through 18. When Naomi, her mother-in-law, said to her, My daughter, should I not seek rest for you, that it may be well with you? Is not Boaz our relative with whose young women you were with? See, he's winnowing barley tonight at the threshing floor. Wash therefore and anoint yourself, and put on your cloak and go down to the threshing floor, but do not make yourself known to the man until he's finished eating and drinking. But when he lies down, observe the place where he lays. Then go and uncover his feet and lie down, and he will tell you what to do. And she replied, All that you say I will do. So she went down to the threshing floor and did just as her mother-in-law had commanded her. And when Boaz had eaten and drunk and his heart was merry, he went to lie down at the end of the heap of grain. And then she came softly and uncovered his feet and lay down. At midnight a man was startled, the man was startled, and turned over and behold, a woman lay at his feet. He said, Who are you? And she answered, I am Ruth, your servant. Spread your garment over your servant, for you are a kinsman redeemer. And he said, May you be blessed by the Lord, my daughter. You have made this last kindness greater than the first, in which you have not gone after young men, whether poor or rich. And now, my daughter, do not fear. I will do for you all that you ask, for all my fellow townsmen know that you are a worthy woman. And now, as it is true, I am a kinsman redeemer. Yet there is a redeemer nearer than I. Remain tonight and in the morning. If he will redeem you, good, let him do it. But if he is not willing to redeem you, then as the Lord lives, I will redeem you. Lie down until the morning. So she lay at his feet, and in the morning she arose before anyone could recognize one another. And he said, let it not be known that a woman came to the threshing floor. And he said, bring the garment you are wearing and hold it out. So she held it out. And he measured out six measures of barley and put it in her. And then she went into the city. And when she came to her mother-in-law, she said, How did you fare, my daughter? And she told her all that the man had done for her, saying, These six measures of barley he gave to me, for he said to me, You must not go back empty-handed to your mother-in-law. She replied, Wait, my daughter, until you learn how the matter turns out, for the man will not rest, but will settle the matter today. Good morning, guys. Thank you, Kelsey. I had my Bible over there just in case something were going to go wrong this morning, but it didn't, so that's great. My name is Jess. I am the uh, Director of Operations for the Branches for about two more weeks, and so this is my parting gift to you all, uh, is this message this morning from Ruth. Happy first day of spring. Thank you guys for being here this morning. Um, you could have been anywhere, uh, but you chose to be here, so thank you. I appreciate it. Uh, we appreciate those who are watching live on Facebook right now. Um, we are still working out the kinks of our live stream, but um, we need all the input we can get. So thank you for tuning in. Um, like Joe said, and you might have noticed on your seat, there is a little invite card. Um, we encourage you to invite someone to Easter. You can take that card hand it out 
leave it at your office. Um, we are so excited. This is the first time we'll celebrate Easter together in two years. So we are super pumped. Um, it's going to be great. And if nothing else, it's my last day. So come so you can say goodbye to me. No, I'm teasing. I'm not going anywhere. Uh, but yeah, so come to Easter. It's going to be at Hummel Park, the Charleston Pavilion outside. You will need to bring a chair um, and then we're just going to be there and celebrate together. So we are so thankful um, for the opportunity that we have to do that. Um, and before we jump in, would you please join me in prayer? Dear Jesus, thank you for this morning. Thank you for this opportunity that we have to safely gather together and praise you and worship you. God, I pray that you... Um, would take this message from Ruth, um, that you would use me as a vessel to speak to everyone who's listening this morning and give them um, the truth and the joy that they need to go forward. Uh, it's in your name that we pray. Amen. Um, so I don't know all of you super well, but for those of you who have no idea about me or my character, I um, am, can be kind of theatrical. Um, growing up, this was a nicer way of saying I was a drama queen, but I've always been really into like acting and, and theater, whether it was like doing skits after school at the babysitter that we would perform when my mom came to pick me up, or in high school I dressed up in a full-on dresser costume and sang a solo in Beauty and the Beast, um, but I also love going to live theater. I love, I just think it's really cool. It always leaves me with chills. I'm very impressed. Um, but in college, I didn't really have an opportunity to do any theater. Um, I would still go to shows, but I wasn't in anything. And then after college, I moved to Spain. I lived there for a few years, and I had friends who were in this theater group. And they would get together every week and practice, and then in the spring, they would do like a stage performance. It was usually a musical. So in the spring of 2015, I went to see this Spanish, mind you, all in Spanish, which I can speak Spanish, but like not native. Uh, I went to this performance of Hairspray in Spanish and saw all my friends and they had so much fun and I made a commitment to myself, I'm gonna try out for that next year. Like if they'll let me be in it, I'm gonna try my hardest to be in it. Um, so the next fall, come to find out, the spring musical was going to be Mamma Mia, which is like my favorite musical. So I was like, 100% I'm going to do this. Um, so I practiced the lines and I did more ABBA karaoke than I, than I usually do, which is a lot of ABBA karaoke, a big ABBA fan. Um, and I asked for advice from my friends who were in the group. Um, I ran lines with my native Spanish speaking friends because the last thing I wanted to do was be the token, you know, girl from the United States who shows up and embarrasses herself at a musical audition. Um, and I had never put myself in a position where I was so vulnerable or um, nervous in front of people my age, in front of my peers. And so this is kind of what I can imagine Ruth was feeling at this moment when she is going to the threshing floor. She's feeling vulnerable and nervous and she doesn't know what's going to happen next. So first um, I want to kind of recap how we got to where we are um, in this story. So Ruth um, has chosen to stay with Naomi. So after her husband died, Naomi told her to go home. She decided to stay. Um, they have nothing. They're widows. They don't have jobs. They can't have jobs at this time. Um, they have nothing. She doesn't have her own religion. She doesn't have a family of her own. She's a complete outsider when they go back to Bethlehem. 
But we've also learned over these past few weeks that Ruth is a very loyal woman. She is very faithful um, to her mother-in-law, and she won't leave Naomi behind, but instead she leaves everything that she knows behind and stays with Naomi. This is a story of a total outsider, because remember, too, at this time, Moab was kind of like not the good place. It was like the outskirts. So people from Moab were kind of looked down upon. So she's like the outsider of the outsiders. And through this intent faith and obedience to God, Ruth lands herself inside the family line of Jesus. Um, Like I said, we've already seen Ruth act on her faith in God, who she didn't previously believe in. She believed in Moabite gods before um, she chose to stay with Naomi. So um, she could have left when Naomi said to go, but she stayed. And then she found faith in this new God in Yahweh when, like I said, it wasn't the God that she grew up believing in. Um, She's proven that she's faithful. And um, up until this pivotal moment on the threshing floor, which don't worry, I'm going to explain what that is because I wasn't quite sure either. Um, Ruth has been acting on faith that this God that Naomi believes in is going to pull them out of this desperate situation that they're in. Um, The title of today's sermon is Ruth's Initiative. Um, And as I was preparing, I was trying to like think, okay, what does initiative mean? And I originally thought of initiative to be like taking responsibility um, to do something without being asked. Something that popped into my head was chores as a kid. My mom would tell me I had good initiative if I did my chores without her telling me to. Um, But um, that definition doesn't quite fit this story because as you see at the end of chapter three, Naomi gives Ruth very specific instructions of what she has to do. She has to wash herself and get all dressed up. She has to go meet um, Boaz at the threshing floor, wait for him to be done celebrating, uncover his feet and then lay on the floor and then he will tell her what to do. So I used my favorite resource, which is dictionary.com, and found that the third definition of initiative is another um, is an act or strategy intended to resolve a difficulty or improve a situation or a plan. This makes more sense in our story. Naomi has developed this plan that Ruth has to take the initiative to follow um, in order to in order to redeem her family. And while Ruth may not have fully understood this concept that we've kind of talked about over the past couple of weeks, this concept of a family redeemer, um, she did trust, like we know, she trusted and she loved Naomi. Um, so she followed these instructions to carry out this plan. Um, that would redeem her family. And there are a couple of really cool um, metaphors that I found in this chapter of Ruth. And the first is that um, while Boaz is a redeemer for Ruth and her family on earth, his redemption of Ruth's family is like a metaphor um, for God's redemption of us in heaven. Without Boaz marrying Ruth, their families would have ceased to exist. There would have been no continuation of their families on this earth. Likewise, without Jesus dying on the cross and coming back from the dead, there would be no eternal life for us in heaven. This is just another testament to to Boaz's character, um, like Pastor Alex talked about a couple weeks ago. Um, And over this past 
you know, super weird year. I've actually studied Ruth. Um, I, if you might remember last time I preached, it was from Ruth. Um, I did a Bible study with some of our college girls through the book of Ruth. Um, and so through studying it over this past year, I've learned a lot of the cultural context of what's going on. You can, you can understand the story uh, without that, but I've learned since I know it, it kind of helps to know what's going on literally in this story. So um, it's the end of harvest. I also grew up on a farm, so you can trust everything I say agriculturally because it's all true. Uh, So it's the end of this grain and barley harvest. Up until now, Ruth has been working in the field, um, helping, you know, take the grain to reap it, I suppose. And this is how she has provided food for her and Naomi. Like I said, they're widows. They can't have jobs. Um, This is how she is providing food for them is by working. And then she gets to take some of the grain home with her so that they can eat. But now that the harvest is over, where's their food going to come from? They are two widows living in a time when women, especially widows, couldn't do whatever they wanted. They needed to be provided for. Um, And they're in a desperate situation now when Naomi comes up with this plan for Ruth to meet Boaz on the threshing floor. So the second um, metaphor here is this metaphor, is the threshing floor itself. It is a metaphor for renewal. So in ag terms, I almost said farm terms, but that would have sounded way less official. So in in ag terms, uh, the threshing floor is this area where grain would be separated, like the outer shell from the actual part that we use for food, for nourishment. So um, on the threshing floor, you know, it's a flat surface. From what I gather, you dump all the stuff out and then have a bunch of heavy animals walk over it and the outside shell is separated from the good stuff on the inside. And at Naomi's advice, Ruth finds herself at the threshing floor to shed the final piece of her former self and seek redemption for her family. By marrying Ruth, Boaz is going to save both she and Naomi and ultimately carry on this line that we, again, have learned is going to lead to the birth of Jesus. So what does this mean for us? What is your threshing floor? Where is your threshing floor? What are the pieces of your outer shell that need to be broken, that you need to break free from? What is the next step for you, for me, uh, to continue renewing our minds to be more like that of Jesus? Two shells that I think are very common, at least they're very common for me, are that of insecurity and of pride. Insecurity not just in myself, um, but also insecurity of who God is and who God has called me to be. Um, And pride, again, not just in ourselves, but believing that we can do this all on our own or that our way is the best way. Um, So how do we break through this shell of insecurity? Um, I found that it's actually more difficult to overcome insecurity in myself than to overcome this insecurity in God's character. 
Um, because we can study God's character. We have the Bible, we have resources, but it's harder to be introspective and, and analyze the insecurity in yourself. But the good news is that becoming more confident and secure in who God is will teach you more about yourself. Um, it will allow you to be more secure in who you are in him. Um, this past year, which my roommate and I celebrated a year of COVID on Friday by baking banana bread and making that whipped coffee stuff. And if you didn't do that, I would recommend it because it was the culmination of an amazing year. Uh, but no, through the, all the insecurity of what the days and weeks ahead were going to hold for us over this past year, um, really the only thing that we we know was not going to change was God, was God's character, and was, like Alex said, was God's faithfulness. Um, and so that's what I did. I turned to studying God's character. I used those days of working from home in my PJs and taking my lunch break as a nap uh, to, to study God's character. And I read books um, that helped to explore and define this. And I leaned on friends and mentors, um, both here from the branches, but also that live in different states in different time zones. Um, to, who challenged and encouraged me to continue pursuing this life with Jesus, to continue pursuing um, security in this thing that we knew was not going to change. Uh, when I wanted to know what was coming next but we couldn't possibly know, uh, I shifted to a want to learn more about what God was going to do next. So if you have your Bible or if you have your phone, I would encourage you to turn to 1 Peter chapter 5. I'm going to read verses 6 and 7. It says this, Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up in due time. Cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. I encourage you to find security in this verse and let this verse be the anchor that allows you to break that shell of insecurity and to find your security and find your confidence in God. Um, so what about the shell of pride? This is that other shell um, that is that I mentioned earlier. We live in a time where self-care and self-made and self-righteous are these buzzwords that are huge and we should strive for these things. Uh, but in order to be renewed by God and come to the, fr the threshing floor and break through our shell of pride, we have to stop believing that we can do this on our own, that we are all that we need. We have to break through that pride. Naomi's pride in the story of Ruth has been shattered. Everything she has, her husband, the reason they moved in the first place was because their food, they were in a famine. All of these things have been taken from her. Her sons, everything she has is gone. But God uses this vulnerability, and without her pride being shattered, without those things being taken away, she would have never become the great-grandmother of the first king, Jesse, um, and, and ultimately she would have never been in the line of Jesus' family. And as I was thinking of this idea, I don't want you to take fear in, this, in the thought that, well, I have to lose everything I have, everything that's important to me in order for my pride to be shattered. That's not the case. That's just what sometimes happens, but you can willingly let go of the pride that keeps you from God. 
Like um, I just read in 1 Peter, you have to humble yourselves before the Lord. You have to go to him, walk to him, and invite him in. Uh, be vulnerable with God, and then he can do and he will do amazing things in your life. All of us are going to have these threshing floor moments like Ruth had, maybe multiple um, times in your life where you are going to have to break through um, something ugly or hard to get to what, what God intended, what God made you to be. Um, for me, I've had multiple, but two years ago, um, I had one of these moments where I was living on my own, you know, kind of going through the motions, the gears were turning, but nothing was really going anywhere, just kind of lollygagging, living in the moment, as we love to say. Um, and I came to this realization that I was kind of empty and that Again, you know, knowing that God is this one thing in my life that's not going to change, I realized that I needed to make a statement to God um, that I needed his renewal to get out of that kind of meaningless cycle that I was in. And the way that I chose to do that was by remembering my baptism. Um, and what was even more beautiful about that, um, I called, you know, my family to say, hey, you know, I was baptized as an infant, so this was a remembrance of my baptism. I called my mom and dad and was like, hey, it would be really cool if you guys could come. Like, you know, you were there the first time, so you should be there again. But anyway, my dad responded by asking if he could be baptized as well. Um, so we remembered our baptism together, and um, ever since then, I am constantly reminded by our family and even some of his friends that chose to come to the branches that day um, that they've seen a change in my dad since that moment that we were that we remembered our baptism together um, and it's it's huge it's it's real so that could be your first step maybe being baptized or remembering your baptism or having your child baptized is that public yet intimate statement with God that um, you're breaking off these shells that you carry and you're ready to get to the important stuff. Um, I would love to share more about my story, why I chose to remember my baptism, um, and I would encourage you, if you're interested or have questions, please reach out um, because, like I said, I could go on for how many cool things have happened since then, um, and I would love to share those with you. But back to my, you know, theater references. Uh, in this situation where I was up against a musical audition in a foreign language, the shell that I had to break through to sing and dance in front of people in Spanish was very thick. Um, I was insecure about my language ability, let alone my singing talents, because I am, was not in choir, I was in band. Uh, so I was going up against all these people who were already in this theater group, who had been in these musicals before. They also knew what every word in the song meant. Um, so I had to break through a lot of insecurity and fear to get to this place of confidence where I was going to audition for this musical. And even though it was difficult and I was arguably more nervous that day than I am right now, which is pretty nervous. Uh, uh, I was able to let loose and just enjoy that audition and have fun with it. And I took the practice and the encouragement that I had received to let myself be vulnerable. And 
These are things that you can do with God. You can practice learning about God by studying his character. You can be vulnerable by asking God to move in your life. And so I want to challenge you to think of what are those ways that you can um, do that for God, do that with God? What are ways that you can become vulnerable with God and allow him to change your life and, and let you break free from, from what's holding you in? Just like uh, Naomi gave Ruth specific instructions for what she needed to do um, to approach Boaz on the threshing floor, we have um, clear instructions in the Bible that tell us how we can approach God and ask him um, to enter our hearts and change our lives. We have to shed these fears of rejection and humiliation and humbly with nothing like Ruth and Naomi, ask God um, just to, to change us, to come into our lives. And only by taking this initiative and following these instructions and this plan letting yourself be vulnerable, um, will you be able to reap the sweet freedoms that come from this relationship, this intimate relationship with God? We know that following God is not always easy. It's probably usually not easy, um, but we have these examples of fleeting moments of redemption on earth, like in my example, when my dad's best friend from college tells me two years later, hey, remember that day you guys got baptized? Like, your dad's been different since then. That is a fleeting moment of redemption on earth for me that, that gives me faith to hope for the redemption that's going to come um, with Jesus. And it will be even sweeter than those moments um, on earth. So uh, thank you uh, for listening to me. And I know you guys probably see me come up here and you're like, yeah, Jess is preaching. We're going to get out of here really early. And I tried really hard. But there's also not communion. So that, that goes in my favor. But uh, would you please join me one more time in prayer? Dear Jesus, thank you for loving us. Thank you for grace and uh, just for the reminder of sweet moments of redemption on earth that keep us moving toward um, final redemption in heaven. I want to thank you for everyone here. Thank you for those who are watching at home. I pray that you would go with us this week and um, encourage us to be vulnerable and invite you into our hearts as we continue toward this journey towards Easter. Uh, it's in your name that we pray. Amen. All right, friends, have a great day. And don't forget to come for Donkey Sunday next Sunday. We'll see you next week.